You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. So I asked some of your friends and neighbors about God. And before I did that, I, I went to ye old Google, the theological uh, plethora of information. And I typed in this phrase, misconceptions of God. And I received 12 million 800,000 plus references to that statement. Misconceptions of God. I asked some of your neighbors, people in Lompoc, people out at Vandenberg, a guy in the Burger King at Vandenberg, can you tell me about God? And he said, is this a trick question? Some lady at Walmart wanted to know where the hidden camera was. And here's what they said. God's judgmental. If you follow God, you got to follow his rules. If you mess up, he will make your life miserable. One person said, he once was, but today he is not, as they walked away. Now, this particular person was at our gift wrapping. We wrapped her gifts, free gift wrap, loving people, serving people. And as she pushed her cart of wrapped gifts away, I asked her, can you tell me about God? And she said, absolutely. Now, I want to give it to you because after she left, I had to write it down. God can be whatever you want him to be since you don't really have to believe in him. But he did create you so you can believe whatever you want and you don't even have to believe that he created you if that's what you want to believe. I was a little confused, so I read it back to myself. She believes that God made her to be able to believe whatever she wants to believe and doesn't even have to believe that God made her that in the beginning she believed. Anyway, the God is more concerned about how you behave than about a relationship with you. Now, this... I also heard, and I will read it to you. This God protests gay pride parades and bombs abortion clinics and attacks anyone who doesn't believe the way he does. Someone else said, generally speaking, God is mad at you. This one girl said to me sheepishly, he doesn't like that I live with my boyfriend, and she walked away. Another person said, he never wants you to be happy. Uh, This gentleman was real bold when I said, can you tell me anything about God? And he said, yes, his church people are mean and unkind. Oh, by the way, some of you came to this church because you were in a church where church people were mean and unkind. So I must say to him that He's pretty correct in some cases. Um, He will ruin you from being successful. This God doesn't like spicy food. No, no, I threw that in there just to make sure you were paying attention. And this one gentleman said, and I mean this sincerely, this God believes that I drink too much. But have you met God? Some of you have. The God is the reason that some people are hesitant to approach him or to even walk into 
a place of worship. Many of you would believe like I believe, because there's another side to the questions too. Who do you believe God is? One person says that he is a God of love. Someone else said that he brings us peace and comfort that can't be explained. One lady also at gift wrap says, oh, I love my God because he has forgiven me. I thought, wow, we almost had a praise service right there. He has forgiven me. She had her hands in the air, you know, jumping up and down. Other people at gift wrap thought she was crazy, but I got it. I understood. You don't have to be perfect to be in a relationship with God. My God is smart enough to have figured out that none of us are perfect and we never will be, but he still loves us. Someone else said, when you're with the real God, you don't have to pretend, you don't have to fake anything because he knows everything anyway. My God will steer you away from decisions and habits that will end up hurting you only because he loves you. And I would add, I am grateful that God is a God of rules and a God of order because if he wasn't, and things like this earth moved one degree on its axis, we would all either burn up or freeze today. And I'm really grateful for a rule called gravity, or we'd all be floating, which would be cool for about five minutes. After a few somersaults, we'd want to get back to terra firma. So I want to look at, for the next several weeks, and again, I don't know how long a God series could last, but I want to look at the God I wish you knew. And for some of you, this will be brand new. For others of you, this will be an opportunity for you to question what you believe about God. And for some of you, and I really pray this sincerely, you will reconnect with God. Because after a while, familiarity can breed contempt. I've been there. I've done that. I read this book, the B-I-B-L-E, and I want to move on and experience other things. So if you do have a Bible or a Bible app, you can open to 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings is found right before 2 Kings, and you can open there. Because I want to talk to you about a really gutsy guy who all of us should really applaud today. He's a prophet named Elijah. And he's shaking his head in disbelief at the children of Israel who have decided to stop worshiping the God they knew, the real God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible, the God who delivered them from the Red Sea, the God who delivered them from Egyptian captivity, who helped them cross the Jordan, manna from the sky, water from a rock, that God. And now they're worshiping a God of convenience, not commitment, but a God of convenience, and his name is Baal. And Baal has an appeal to them. Now, a parenthetical note here, I believe that most North Americans, that would also mean Canada and I would include Mexico below us, tend to gravitate to a God or a caricature of God that appeals to the needs that we have in our life. If we want a God of prosperity, then we can view God as an eternal ATM machine or a line of credit that never stops. If we want God to empower us so we can be uh, further in control of life, then we want a God who will empower us, but who will not himself control us. If we want a God who will look the other way 
as we do the things that we want to do in the dark shadows and recesses of our life, then we'll look for a God who might be blind in one eye. We will look for the God that we choose or we will make a caricature of a God that's appealing to us. And the reason I know this is that the children of Israel have left the true God to worship this God, Baal, who was believed to be in charge of the weather. They have a famine in the land because there has been a multi-year drought. The soil is dry. Crops are not being produced. Cattle have no water. And so they begin to worship God in hopes that he will cause it to rain. They were willing to give up the worship of the true God so somehow they could follow a God that would appeal to their need in the moment. And I would say this to anybody who's searching God. We can make God out to be what we want him to be, but that's not truth. That's not delivering truth. That's not helpful truth. It can instill us into bizarre practices of worship. Just think about the people that worship Baal. Baal demanded child sacrifice. The God of Israel never did. Baal demanded, according to the theology of Baal, physical mutilation. The God of Israel never did. Baal demanded bizarre worship practices, including temple prostitution of young girls. But the God of Israel never did. And Elijah is beside himself with frustration. He cannot believe that people have turned their back on the true and living God. And so he organizes this winner-take-all challenge. It is the Stanley Cup. It is the Final Four. It is the World Series. It is the Super Bowl. And it's the Olympics, all in one. I think I covered several sports there. The day arrives. Massive numbers of people show up. Four 150 prophets of Baal, all dressed in religious garb. The king, the queen, tons of bystanders. We do not know how many are there to watch this one lone dude come out, Elijah, dressed in 501 jeans and a t-shirt and no entourage. In 1 Kings 18, 21, Elijah went before the people and said, and this is gutsy, how long will you waver between two opinions? I mean, you know about this one God, the God of Israel, but, but, but you're now worshiping Baal. And here's what he says to them. If the Lord is God, then what? And, but if Baal is God, then, yeah. Go do your thing. Freedom of religion, right here. You, you go worship Whatever you want to worship. You want to worship B of A? You got Visa, Costco? Come on. Whatever, I mean, you just go for it. Whatever makes you happy. The God of caffeine, the God of vino, I mean, come on, I'll move on. Because we live in a country where worship freedom and the freedom of worship is pronounced. You can worship yourself, you can worship your kids, your grandkids. I met with some people a while ago. I won't get into this story too deep. All they could talk about was their kids. Three hours later, all they could talk about was their kids. And I said, tell me something that God is doing in your life. Oh, he gave us our wonderful kids, and they continued to talk about their kids. 
oh, listen, kids are awesome, grandkids are great. But we can't we, we, we can make them the place we worship. Music can be that place. Cars can be that place. Sex. Oh, he said sex from the pulpit. It could be that place. Sexual addictions, pornography, drugs, food, fear, control, power. And sometimes you just want to stop as somebody who's following God and say, then you choose. You, you, you choose between this God and the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Elijah explains the rules. We've got two altars that are going to be built. An animal will be killed and laid on each altar, and prayers will be prayed to Baal and to God, and their respective priests and prophets will come out, and this one dude, Elijah, 501, and <laughs> t-shirt, in 1 Kings 18, 24, he says, then call on the name of the Lord your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire, he is God, and all the people said, oh, let the people say amen. They said amen. We'd, we'll, we'll do this. This, is, this sounds really good. And finally he gets everybody to agree on one thing. There's a show coming down. And they want to be there. Pretty fair contest. Because it's pretty impossible to rig up a fire strike from heaven that would somehow come down and consume an altar. And Elijah says politely, okay, you guys go first. Because he wants to see, you know, it's overtime. He wants to see what the other team can do. And, and then they called, 1 Kings 18, 26, they call in the name of Baal and his priests do from morning till noon. And here's what they say, Baal, answer us. I mean, we're risking it all on you and there, there's no answer. And they start to dance around the altar as if if they dance, maybe, maybe Baal will get excited. And um, they're doing the salsa dance and they're doing the, you know, disco dance, they're I mean, the ballroom dance, the dancing with the stars, they're trying all that they can do, and, and nothing seems to be working, and then Elijah begins to taunt them. Can you picture this dude? 450 prophets, people dancing around, and he yells out, maybe you have to bring up the volume. Can you shout a little louder? Surely he's God. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's on the phone. Maybe he's texting somebody. Uh, the word busy is the word pursuing, which is the Hebrew word from where we get occupado from. Ever seen the sign on the restroom door, occupied? He's saying, maybe your God is on the toilet. I think that's hilarious. I'm sorry. You want to taunt somebody? This is trash talking 101 here. You remember the 90s trash talk? This is it. You know, my team's greater than your team. My dad's bigger than your dad. Maybe your dad's on the pot. Come on. Maybe you need to wake him up because he's taking a nap. Here, here, here's, here's, here's what he's saying. In the earshot of the children of Israel, who knew their God never sleeps or, or slumbers or takes a nap. He's always paying attention. He said, maybe your God's sleeping. And so they shouted louder. We'll show you, Elijah. And they slashed themselves, which was a part of their custom, until the blood started to flow. And midday passed, and they're still frantic. They're prophesying until the time of the evening sacrifice, and they're tired. This has gone on all day long. And see, when people talk about the God that they know, sometimes, and 
I, I mean this with respect. Somebody just want to say to them, well, go ahead and prove how great your God is then. Go ahead and prove how great your theology is. Go ahead and prove how great your salvation plan is to eternal life. I mean, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Don't you want to do it? But we're nicer than that, and so we don't do it. But midday passed, they continued, and there was no response. No one answered, and no one paid attention from heaven. I'm sorry, part of that is missing somehow. The time is up. Their voices are hoarse from screaming and yelling. They're bleeding at the verge of passing out because of their cuts. And now it's Elijah's turn. No pressure, right? You know what he does? You know what he does. 450 prophets to one. And all eyes are on him. And he asks the people to gather in close. He says, you you guys gather in because I want you to watch this. I want you to learn from this because I'm going to narrate this as we go through it. And he grabs 12, what does he grab? 12 stones. Remember there's 12 tribes of, of Israel? He grabbed stones because they also remember when they crossed the Jordan River that he set up stones for them as a memorial that you would testify every time you see those stones. And every time he lays another stone in, more than likely now, I don't have this factual, but more than likely, he's whispering to them about, this is what God did for you. This is what God did. Another stone, another stone. He puts another stone into place. And he's trying to remind them of all that God had done for them. They don't get it. This would have been a great time for them to say, Elijah, stop what you're doing because we, we want to return back to the God of Israel. We recognize that, that, that Baal is not real. And um, I only have permission to tell this much of the story. But there's a young man, doesn't go to our church. Um, and he's the epitome of the old country song, looking for love in all the wrong places. Um, He's got a great job, high-paying job, beautiful home, lots of stuff. I mean, lots of stuff. And I said to him recently, um, how come you keep looking for women to fill the hole that's in your heart? Um, That kind of stopped the conversation. Um, But, I mean, this guy is a revolving door, woman after woman after woman after woman, and then when he catches them, he doesn't really know what to do with them, except get rid of them after he's had his way with them for a while, and then he goes on the hunt again. There's something about ladies, especially young ladies, need to know that all men were born to be hunters, but that's a whole other sermon, and I will move on. And after we get the trophy and the prize, we really don't know what much to do with the trophy and the prize, but here we got it. And So I said to him, could you consider the fact that only God can fill the hole in your heart. And I said something, I mean, I, I, I didn't know it was going to come out of my mouth, but I said, you know what? Only God can love you in the way that you need to be loved. And he said to me, um, are we done now? Which I said to him, obviously you're not done, and you will continue to pursue 
female companionship, and someday, remember I said this, you will be old, and you'll be gray, and your body won't function like it does today. I can tell you that to be true. And they won't come around anymore, unless you have wads of cash, or fancy cars, or nice homes to will to them, or have their name in your trust. And someday, you'll look up at heaven, and you will wonder if the God of love could have been your friend starting today. And I would submit to you that the God that I know loves you and can love you deeply in the darkness of the night when you're alone and, and there's nobody around and there's no woman to be in your bed and you're just by yourself that this God can somehow speak through the words of the pages of his Bible. And, 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 and that's the God I wish this man knew. See, some of you are frantically waiting for writing something down, so I'm going to help you now. Number one, the God I wish you knew loves you unconditionally and more deeply than you have ever been loved by anybody. That was the message I gave this gentleman. And I would summarize for him and for you, anyone who's wondering about this God, that God's love is infinite. It is bigger, it is wider, it is deeper than we can know. If we will deeply connect with him by faith, it is an unconditional love. It doesn't love, as I said earlier, predicated on performance. It, it loves because God himself is love and he, he loves you. He loves your kids not because they're cute. He loves your kid because he is love and that's what he wants to do. He wants to love everybody. And I don't need somebody to say that black lives matter or white lives matter or all lives matter. I know that people matter to God. I've been saying that since 1984. It's on the license plate frames for this church. Well, do you believe that white life, you black, what do you believe about reverse discrimination? Folks, I believe that God created all human beings. Red, yellow, black, and white, brown, people, purple, tattooed, not tattooed. Republican, Democrats, voters, non-voters, DACA, people that are here legally or illegally. It's not a political issue. We're talking about the love of God. God, love is universal. It's for everybody. I was sitting many years ago. I've not shared this story before, so, oh, hey, a new story, you old-timers. <laughs> I was sitting in Van Nuys, California with the sun of a Nazi Gestapo agent who was chummy with Adolf Hitler. And I'm sitting across the table from him in a restaurant, and I am the son of a Holocaust survivor. And my grandmother and my uncle and my aunt were all killed in the concentration camp that his father was in charge of. How would you like to be there? I made him pay for lunch. <laughs> I rarely let anybody pay, but I let him pay. And I should have got the lobster, I got to tell you right now. <laughs> and he leaned over the table and he said to me, Bernie, I got to tell you something. You know what brings us together at this table? The love of God. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And you know what keeps us from beating each other up? I said, I, I, 
I'll go with you a few rounds in the alley if you want. I didn't say that. I thought it. I didn't say it. And I looked at him and I said, I am sorry for whatever your ancestors believe was wrong with my ancestors. They were Jewish. And he said, I am sorry for my father and my family that didn't understand the value of life, that we would kill people because of their faith. Now, that's, I know Adolf Hitler was a madman. I've done my history. Trust me. But the bottom line was these were Jewish people. They had a David star. They worshipped the, the God of Israel and the Gestapo, the SS, the Hitler's people believed that they should be eradicated. And I'm sitting one generation away from a guy who one generation away killed some of my family. Wow. And as we prayed together, <laughs> I said, I, it's kind of weird, but I forgive you for what you didn't even do. But I forgive your ancestors. And he said, oh, how I, how I grieve your ancestors and what happened to them. And we talked about the universal love of God. We talked about the next one, the powerful love of God. We, 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 we talked about his power. And we talked about the fact that God's love is personal. Don't you want people to know this? That they can personally know God. They can call on his name and know him. That his love is constant. And besides stopping bad theology, the only other thing I wish I could stop this morning is the clock. I'm sorry. First Kings 18, 32 and 35, with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He arranged the wood. He digs a trench around it. Remember this? And then he says something bizarre. He says, I want you to go and fill four large water jars and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said. And they did, a third time. And he ordered it, and it did. And water ran down the altar, and it filled the trench. And he, he kills this, this, this innocent animal and lays it on top of the altar. And some of you go, ooh, that's gross. But that was common for people in this day. The people of Israel knew about the sacrifices. They saw it. And they knew exactly what it meant, that the wrongdoing of, of sins and transgressions against God had to be atoned for. A holy God could not tolerate sin. And that was, of course, we know this, a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ and how he's going to come and he's going to die once and for all. And the God of the universe is going to sacrifice his son and you are sacrificing your children to Baal and here's the tension points. The God, Baal, demands your child as a strange sacrifice, and the other God provides you with his child as an atoning sacrifice for your sin. And, and to this day, the average person walking the streets of Lompoc, walking in Santa Barbara County, walking out at Vandenberg, believes deep down inside that to begin a relationship with God, they must sacrifice something. I must give up my something. I, I, must, I must do something. He's going to want my time or my money or he's going to want me to behave and that God's going to be restrictive in some way. 
But the truth of the matter is they need to find out that there's this God who has already sacrificed everything for them. And the God I wish you knew, number two, receives you just as you are. Just as you are. And the good news is, the sacrifice most people think they need to make has already been made for them by God through Jesus. And so what Elijah does next takes the breath away from everyone in the crowd. He drenches the altar with water. And in just a couple of minutes, he's going to pray. And how's he going to pray? He's not going to dance. He's not going to scream. He's not going to mutilate himself. (laughs) I think that's good news. We get to tell our friends who don't know about the God we know that they don't have to get weird to start a relationship with him. Now, you all know Elijah got forward and he prayed in King James English, right? Great God, I beseech thee in this hour, please cometh and lappeth up all the watereth from the trencheth and the sweet succotash. (laughs) I just think he prays a simple prayer conversational prayer. The altar's built, the animal's laid on top, everything's been drenched from top to bottom three times. He doesn't want anybody to think that he has any fuel sources in the dirt or remote control ignition. He just calls down fire. And the true God, it's what... I wish people knew the true God has limitless power. Limitless power. And here's his prayer. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. See, you have to be specific. You'll hear me sometimes say the God of the Bible on purpose. The God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Some people say, why do, you, why do you say that, Pastor, when you talk about God? Because when you say God today, you have to be clear. There's lots of gods out there. Huh? I, I met a guy who said he was God once. That's what he said. I got to make sure that you don't think it's him. And he's saying, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, and Israel's there listening. Let it be known today that you, you are God. Let it be known today that you are a God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and have done all these things that you command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so I can look really good. Answer me so people will preach about me for years to come. Answer me, O Lord, so that these people will know. Come on. You are, come on, you can read it. The true God. Listen, when was the last time you prayed a prayer? God, I want you to do this for me because I want my family to know who you are. I want you to do this for me because, so the other night, we're praying in here, a night of prayer, and I'm, I'm praying prayers, and some people are praying out loud, and I'm praying quietly, and here's one of the prayers I prayed. 
Oh God, do such a great work in 2018 through Lompoc Foursquare Church and every church in this region that preaches you as Lord and Savior so that people will know that you're God. Not that they'll say, oh, great, we're going to fill all the seats and they've got to build bigger property and stuff. That would be fun, by the way. I I wish I had time. I'd tell you about the guy who drives by here. Every time we build, he's from Santa Barbara, and every time we do anything, he drives by because he likes developments. He's a big developer out of Santa Barbara. Some of those condos on State Street above some of the the stores, he's involved in all that. And, And here's what he says. He says, I don't know anything about your church, but I know everything about your church. What do you know? People of faith reside there. People willing to give sacrificially reside there. People willing to risk reside there. Because you're building stuff. You're doing stuff. So maybe for him, we'll just keep building more buildings so he can drive by and have more faith. (laughs) But I don't care what it is we do, whether it's Elevate on Tuesday nights, which you should have your kids be a part of, or Children's Ministries, or Kids United, or serving in the community, or services like this, or people watching online right now, whatever it is that, that, that at the end of the day, the end of the month, the end of the year, people would say, we know something about the people at LFC, and it makes us believe in the true God. That's what I want. Not that, oh, they're, they're really great people. Their pastor's really an awesome dude. You know, who cares? If people know, how about praying these kind of prayers? God, do this in my life so people will know that you're the true God. And then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood and the, and the what? The stones. Do you know that the fire has to be at least 3,000 degrees hot to burn up stones? Do you know this Wednesday when the Delta IV rocket launches out of Vandenberg at about 1 o'clock? I can't wait. I've only been here 31 years. I've seen lots of launches. People go, eh, it's just another rocket. Really? I'm still impressed that when the fire comes down, I learned this because I got a great tour one day, when the fire comes down, they pump water into the concrete so the concrete doesn't disintegrate. Okay, concrete burnt? Oh yeah, if the fire's hot enough. Listen, the stones, the God-made concrete burned up that day and the soil burned up, and all the water out of the trench burned up over 3,000 degree hot fire. And guess what happens when people see the unlimited power of the God we wish they knew? Verse 39 says, and when all the people saw this, they fell on their faces and they cried, the Lord, he is God. Boy, as we go through this series, I hope you'll invite some of your friends or you'll have some of your friends tune in or watch the archive video, whatever you got to do, because we want people to be able to say, the Lord, he is God. And maybe some of you have forgotten the Lord, he is God. You've let your problems or your family issues overshadow the fact that the Lord is, is God. Maybe we just need to stop and say, here's the truth. The Lord, he is, he's God. So somebody said to me, well, okay, if the Lord is God, how come he doesn't come and do a miracle like that again? Because, man, if if he would do that, like fire from the sky and and come down, well, the last rocket, people thought the world was coming to an end, especially down south of us, right? (laughs) Come on. Woo, it's alien. Oh, it's North Korea. Come on. Uh, Most 911 lines were off the hook all the way down to San Diego. 
Police stations being called, fire stations being called. Ooh, some weird thing out there in the sky. And all the Vandenberg guys are going, well, it's just what we do up here. <laughs> Ain't no thing. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. And our cynical friends will say, I, I need to see something tangible. And my answer is with a smile. Come and find some of the stories of some of the people that go to this church. We got angry men who are no longer angry. We got people who are addicted to drugs who are no longer addicted and they're free. We got marriages that were held together by a string and now they're, 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 they're thriving. We, 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 we've got people who would never step foot in a church and they actually come here and they give their money too. <laughs> Think about it. We've got people who would say, I'm not going to sing them songs. Woo! Worship the Lord. We got people who would, never, who would never say God is good, but they say it all the time now. Those are transforming stories. We got people who could not get a job who actually got a good job. We got greedy people who become generous. I mean, come on. Judgmental people who now are forgiving and tolerant of all people. Those are the stories, the miracle stories. And during this series, I would like to introduce many people. The God I wish that they knew. Romans 5.8. I want you to read this verse with me with your best. He's almost done voice, okay? God showed his for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That's the God I wish people knew. That's the God that doesn't uh, demand you clean up before you come to him. Bless you. I'm, uh, I'm getting my teeth clean this week, and you know what I'm going to do before I go, right? Man. Oh, man. Yeah. 30 minutes before, baby. The whole tube. I'm going to town. I'm flossing. I got steel wool. No, I don't. Because I... why? I'm going to go see somebody who's going to be able to know whether or not I've been doing good dental hygiene. So, right? I mean, come on, you do it too. Don't you? Hey, honey, where's that whitening stuff we have? And you come on, right? And people believe that about God. I got to get my act together before I go to him. God specializes in messy people. That's why he has me. See, God's not asking you to make a promise you cannot keep. God is asking you to believe a promise that only he can keep. Because I don't want to make a promise to God I can't keep. By the way, you can't keep your promises. And some of you, I, I know that really to be true. We can't. So faith says, God, I'm going to come to you on the basis of your promise, that you will love me, that you will forgive me, that you will redeem me, that you'll walk with me, that your love will be unconditional, it will be infinite, it will be universal, it will be powerful, and that you will be with me forever. I wish everybody knew that God that Elijah knew. And I wish that everybody that's taken a detour to other gods or has let their faith die out would somehow ratchet their faith up, not because it's a new year, but because this amazing God is deservant of our lives, our faith, our trust, our worship, our adoration, and our service to him. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.